0: Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me. And it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You're really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. All right, Dr. Bynum, it's a privilege to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for being on. Would you like to Maybe just give a, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what your work is focused on, please.
1: Yes, well, uh, first of all, Jason, uh, thank you very much for inviting me on the uh, on your program. I'm very excited to be here to be able to talk to people, to reach out to lots of folks on hopefully uh, some uh, issues that are very germane to them. certainly, I feel that they are uh, as far as my own background, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, you know, regular. Graduate school, PhD, then the licensing, et cetera, after that. And I've worked at uh, many different, uh, several different universities, uh, but most like, most prominently, the University of Massachusetts, where I was there for, uh, um, several decades, uh, primarily as a clinical psychologist in the health services. And I was a regular bread and butter therapist. I saw individuals and families. I, my areas of specialization were, um, uh, psychosomatic medicine, uh, dream work, and family therapy, in addition to those other two. So that's what I did on a day-to-day basis. I was not uh, uh, primarily uh, an academic. I was a hands-on uh, clinician. And so I worked with people who were like in the thick of it. And uh, uh, it was very rewarding, sometimes very demanding, very stressful occasionally. But uh, that's what I enjoyed uh, doing. And out of that foment, of uh you know the real life the real stuff came my interest which i was able to funnel into uh, a number of different uh books the two that we're going to talk about today primarily are our african unconscious and per- perhaps to some extent dark white consciousness so again thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk and i hope that we can uh, uh, uh throw some light on some dark areas
0: i really want to talk about the that that process of where you went from clinical work to getting interested in esotericism, that's a big leap. But before we do that, maybe just talk about, um, kind of, well, tell you what, why don't I just start this off? I just want to read the first few lines of our African unconscious, because I think that is, is, it's, it's, I mean, the book is beautiful and I just wanted to, uh, you know, this is so powerful. I just thought it'd be a good way to kick it off. Sure,
2: so we we'll do it. So you yeah. say
0: in your introduction, there is a new wind flowing across the landscape of Africa and across the inner landscape of African diasporic peoples. It is a wind that sweeps before it the idols of a civilization shaken to its roots by a technology that pollutes the seas while extending some lives it is adrift amid the appalling moral contradictions of extravagant wealth and extreme poverty. And watches helplessly over the decay of cities, the rising grip of multinational corporations, and the final painful death spasm of outmoded political and economic paradigms. Communism as a force in the world is dead. Its cousin, the welfare state is a sick child. In the United States, the greatest market of this empire, the vast majority of people feel its citadel is in moral and spiritual decline, its vision of itself sinking in sensationalism and ashes. You need not be a devotee devotee of Nostradamus or the myths and prophecies of ancient peoples to know that our current world order is in a severe crisis and that monumental changes are afoot that will alter our sense of self-origin and identity. Whether they come peacefully or in some prophesied war or a series of global economic depressions, such cataclysms tend to stimulate a search for our deeper origins in order to have a fuller union. That deeper union, body, genes, and psychic profusion is the African lineage in everybody. With a new view of mind, this has scientific and spiritual implications. The eye of civilization is beginning to turn and it will embrace what it has most feared in recent centuries, its African genesis. Um, This introduction is beautiful. It's it's funnily reminiscent of of, uh, Karl Marx, uh, which I (laughs) I, I figure was intentional. Um, But why don't we just take that as a hopping off point? So what is our African unconscious and why are we turning back to it?
1: Well, we're turning back to it, I believe, uh, a necessity. What is it? Well, uh, you cannot get out of high school here in the United States or reading a popular magazine uh, without coming across the uh, recent studies in archaeology, anthropology, human origins of all kinds, not to know that in, on some level, human beings, our present species, almost sapient, sapient, thinking, man, we emerged out of Africa. There isn't a whole lot of debate about that anymore. There was uh, up to about maybe 50 years ago, but that's vanished it's all very clear that we all, you, me, all my relatives, all yours, we all have an African origin. And um, that has a very clearly outlined uh, archaeological path now. And I merely looked at that information and then uh, made the leap as a psychologist that, well, this is our anthropological and biological and genetic origin, it's probably also the origin of our brains, which means the origins of our minds. And it didn't take a lot me a lot of time, only a couple of years, to flesh out that the the basis of the of our what we call our collective unconscious, that is the unconscious beneath our individual selves, beneath our family consciousness, into our species, is Africa has an African genesis also. And that is at the, at the root of everything. And it's really germane to me these days because, as we were saying a little while ago, our present world order is so conflicted and dangerously so around ethnic conflicts over matters of infinitesimal importance in comparison to what we have in common with each other. And I believe the crisis is, is, is as deep as our ecological crisis, And I would add one last thing. For the first time, first time, Jason, in the history of our species, we're beginning to leave the planet. We're beginning to leave the planet. And not only are we leaving the planet based upon uh, government defense contracts of one kind or another, we're beginning to do it in terms of commercial exploration. All the recent... uh, launchings of uh, private enterprise uh, rockets and so forth, uh, circling the planet and everything else indicates that we are now embarking on the commercialization of space. Well, I believe very strongly it's only a matter of time now before we make encounters with other intelligent species out there. And we may have been already. I don't know. I tend to think so. But the point is we're probably going to. We're not the only intelligent beings in the Cosmos, for heaven's sakes, what narcissism is that? There are other intelligent beings. We have to have our act together when we go out there. And if we go out there angry, conflicted, our own house in disorder, that is what we will draw to us. And so I'm just saying that we need to have our act together. If you ever look at some of the um, – take, for example, uh, science fiction uh, uh, movies of one kind or another – which are mythologies, be it Star Trek or others. They always there's, there's wars and stuff going on out there, but the human species seems to have figured out who they are at that point. Mm-hmm. If you look at Star Trek; they're not fighting amongst each other about ethnic stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Hey, wait—that belongs to our childhood, for heaven's sake. Yes, yeah. We figured yeah. that stuff out because now we're encountering things much more monumental. So that's what I'm arguing for. We need to figure this out. Because no. it's really happening, and uh, it's happening right now, just as the worldwide conflicts around uh, ethnic things are ripping peoples and countries apart, uh, whether that be in uh, Palestine and Israel right now, whether that be in certain parts of Africa right now, whether that be in certain parts of Southern Europe right now. It's happening, and it's happened before. Um, it's just that now um we have some big weapons we have some really 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 big weapons and um we have big weapons and we have adolescent minds
0: <laughs> i think you perfectly uh summarized the problem i mean you you mentioned there's so many points I want to jump off with that. I mean, Star Trek for me is like the, per, in a, in, a, in many ways, the perfect vision of what the future could be. And it's something we right. should go back to. It's like that, the importance of Star Trek, uh, particularly, I feel the, the next generation and also now with the conflict in the Middle East, uh, Deep Space Nine is very, very uh, prescient. Um, but you mentioned space travel and getting your act together. And when you said that, I immediately also thought of AI. Because we will also yes. program all this brutality into AI if it's no, don't you
1: know it? Don't you know it? Don't you know it? And, uh, and AI uh, uh, is an incredibly uh, complicated computing apparatus uh, and system. Uh, AI is not uh, AI, by the way, is not conscious. It computes, but it's not conscious. It's not sentient. Uh, it, it does what it does with it, whatever information it does. So in addition to the information that it's feeding itself and we're feeding it, we need to also uh, feed the uh, um, AI, um, as you had on your program a while ago, the Diamond Sutra, our, our sacred books and our sacred texts, which all say the same thing about our origins and who we are and that we're one family. And that we have an ethical code that we've evolved it's taken us millennia to do that, but we have. Yeah. We're perfect about it, but AI needs to learn that too, and that even though we're a conflicted species, ultimately, ultimately, we're a transcendent species. We are a transcendent species, and um, uh, that is our, that is our greatest, one of our greatest gifts. We are able to constantly go beyond what we were before.
0: I agree. So. What is that? You mentioned the central conflict that is plaguing all of us and driving all of this violence and brutality. How do you want to venture a diagnosis of what that is?
1: Well, I think part of the the problem is that we don't, it has become taboo in the modern world to look inside of ourselves deeply and to go beyond our egos and to go beyond our surface ethnicity and apparent. Uh, racial uh, label, and to recognize the deeper corridors of our own mind, our own mind, our own mind, and to see where, where the continuity is. Our individuality is a little bubble on the surface of this ocean. It's a little bubble, pop, but deep down the depths of our consciousness, which we as individuals are in contact with, is a deep primordial consciousness. And I'm positing that that consciousness is luminous, transcendent, and is an evolutionary force, an evolutionary force. And all of our spiritual traditions, whether it be yoga or some form of Christianity or Buddhism or Islam, all have different pathways into that and try to enunciate that uh, uh, for human beings. All the great spiritual traditions start out in the same place, and then later on their lesser followers get all um, academic and splitting hairs about it. But the great founders all say the same thing at different times in our history. And when we are in need, when we are in conflict, when we are most in our dire situations, that is when a new form of us emerges, a new form of religion emerges a new collective and hierarchical integration of what we've been before. You know, Eric, uh, Jason. Every time there is a climate change, a major climate change on the Earth, a new form of us has emerged.
0: Hmm. What do you mean we by that? Really,
1: I mean, what, you go you go back to the first time that we emerged uh, about six to eight million years ago. Uh, we had a common ancestor, and that ancestor died out, but uh, the human, I should not, they weren't, we weren't human, The, the eventually the hominid the human uh, path went one direction, and in the other direction, uh, the ape line, okay, we broke off from them. And then there was a steady, has been a steady rise of us through a lot of different things, and each time there's been a major climate change, usually in the eastern part of Africa, yes. Uh, a new form of us has emerged. And for a while, we were mostly australopithecines. And then the climates dried up, lakes appeared and disappeared. We struggled for survival. We did a lot of experimentation. And eventually, that those australopithecines, you know, there were many variations of them, they died off. And the hominid line grew out of that. Okay, that's us. And eventually, variations of us got higher and higher and more sophisticated and then, with more climate changes at different times, we adapted to it. That's what we can do. We can adapt. And We adapted to them, and eventually, we emerged into our present state, Homo sapiens sapiens. You know, and then we, and then we, you know, left Africa and we went to and you know, populated all the Earth except for maybe Antarctica, maybe. But we populated the Earth, and uh, um. So we were all over the place. And and 200,000 years ago, we still looked pretty much the same. We did. We all looked pretty much the same. We were short, dark skin, uh, woolly hair, uh, running around, trying to escape the big cats, gathering food, and so on. Uh, I mean, that's a, we were a scruffy group. And uh, up until, so we look pretty much the same. And what we think of is, is racial diversification into uh, different, quote, races, unquote, that only began about thirty-five to 40,000 years ago. Hmm.
0: Before that time, we all looked the same. Is it, does there a reason that people would agree upon about why that began? No. Interesting. No. That's it. What a no. mystery. Okay.
1: It is a mystery. But we know it did. Right. But why did it? Another great mystery. Huh. Also another great mystery, about 50,000 years ago, symbolism emerged as a huge wave in our collective consciousness as a species. I mean, we were experimenting around with symbols and little drawings and caves and stuff before that time, for sure, all over the place. But for some reason, 50,000 years ago, hmm. all over the planet, symbolism and pottery and paintings and all kinds of stuff emerged. I wonder if that's... We don't know.
0: I wonder if that's a, a maybe a side effect of increasing tribalism, just because I, people just use symbols to mark their territory and their tribe. It may be. Yeah.
1: It may be. May, 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 may. We don't know. That's as good a guess as any, you know. Uh, but but all we know is that it did happen. Hmm. So until about 35 40,000 years ago, we all looked pretty much the same. And, and about 50,000 years ago, symbolism. And since that time, different... Huge ethnic groups have come and gone. Many huge civilizations on Earth have come and gone. And the last great civilization we knew we know of has left scattered uh, reminders of itself. And that is the one that uh, has its head reared uh, in certain parts of uh, Egypt, which is about 10,500 BCE. And the reason we know it was a very sophisticated civilization is because the Sphinx, the body of a lion, the head of a man, looks directly into the vernal equinox of Leo the lion on the vernal equinox, 10,500 BCE. That's no accident. Interesting. That's no accident.
0: I believe that the pyramids are also, or at least I read something at some point, that the pyramids are lined up to uh, Orion. Yes.
1: And yes, predict,
0: the, predict the levels of the Nile, <laughs> to, to the star Sirius, which is, uh, I don't think people now could do that, certainly not off There's the fly. Right.
1: And, so, and so, who did that? Obviously, uh, some combination of our ancestors and maybe some other influences, but we know. And and after that, the ancient Kemetic Egyptians referred to that as their Zeptepiot, tepi or uh, uh, Splendid Time of the First Time. It means they record their civilization from then. And it arose, uh, I I should say, began falling after the beginning of the last, uh, the ending of the last ice age. Because when the last ice age ended, all that water that had been sucked up into the glaciers and so forth, melted and it swept across the earth. And it buried lots of civilizations. At the bottom of the Mediterranean and the Red Sea, there are cities.
0: (laughs) What cities? Wait, what cities are... (laughs)
1: There are huge city complexes that will know by that women. I didn't know that, oh yeah, yeah, and the same off the of sea of Japan and the same off of India, yes, there are wow, so many of our civilizations have come and gone. We are the last or I should say we're the most recent uh iteration of that and as a, as you can see from the evening news, we're not necessarily, we're not guaranteed to be guaranteed to be permanent, are we
0: <laughs> not, not not in twenty twenty four it seems.
1: Yeah, we're not. But we have we have had we have reached high points in the past. We've fallen, we've climbed back up again, knocked ourselves down again, and now we've climbed back up again. Mm. So we're we're in many ways a very ancient and interesting species. And all of that is in our DNA. All of that is in our DNA. Yes, yeah, so and we so this is what I meant by we share infinitely more with each other that we have in common beneath our surface ethnic appearances. Because race has no real biological reality to it. I mean, it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has political reality, for sure. It has uh, economic reality, that's for sure, of course. Mm. But it doesn't have any scientific basis,
0: you know? I think
1: we've only realized
0: that since the 60s. Yeah, yeah. in the 60s, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we realize it at least scientifically.
0: That's 60. that's not very long to end thousands of years no, of tribalism. Not, yeah. No, it's, it's not, only and it's been yeah, end, 60 years. And and it's
1: and... not going to end. It's not going to end our tribalism. We don't have to get rid of <coughs> tribals or, or ethnicity. We don't have to. We just have to keep that stuff together and under control. Yeah. Ethnicity, in and of itself, is neither good nor bad. It's simply it's a variation based upon our adaptation to certain climactic and other situations. And it's totally okay doesn't imply inferiority, superiority, or anything else like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's, a, it's an adaptation of our species to certain situations. You know, when, when the Africans uh, migrated and moved up into Europe, they underwent certain surface, and their only surface, of differentiations in order to adapt. The hair got longer in the head, you know, uh, because it's also better for uh, keeping... Uh, Heat in the body, you know, nose got longer to warm the air coming into the body. Conversely, the noses are shorter and african because you disperse heat. I mean, there are lots Hmm. of just adaptations. They're they're, they're not speciations. Yeah, They're adaptations. And the reason that this is important is that here in the U.S., uh, we now are confronting uh, uh, people who are uh, frightened that somehow the essence of them is going to be replaced by something. No, we're all going through adaptations.
2: Mm.
1: We're all going through adaptations, and uh, the essence of us is not on the surface; it's deep within our souls and within our hearts. That's really
0: interesting. I, I mean, yeah, people do have that, or very much people are manipulated. It manipulated into having that paranoia as well, because it serves people who want to draw boundaries and lines and things like that and get control, control power. Yes. Um, I was just at the, I was just at the gym and I had this kind of thought popped into my head that, you know, we hear the the phrase all the time, you know, learn the lessons of history or you're doomed to repeat them. And then I realized, well, actually we're, we're going to repeat them anyways, because history is a product of human nature and human nature doesn't change or it changes very, very slowly. It changes very, very slowly. Yeah.
1: Very, very slow. We, we, we're not the same as, uh, we were, uh, uh, a million years ago we're, we're not i mean we all even a million years ago we all craved family relations hmm. human beings have all been always been family grouped kind of creatures you know and out of the family grew uh, you know tribes and cities and villages and all that sort of thing but that family experimentation happened in africa and we took it with us all the pla- all over the place and uh, we still have it within us so it's 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 not a bad thing at all it's a very important thing it's deeper than our individual consciousness uh but uh sometimes we've fought great wars over power we haven't we're fighting them again today we're on the verge of doing that again today with again big weapons now
0: yeah yeah. And sneaky weapons too psychological warfare, <laughs> yeah. biological warfare, genetic God knows yeah. what they have. We just don't know. Oh, well, yeah, really. I want to talk about Africa um, a, a lot, actually, because uh, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you is I had I, I seem to get all of my best leads from random thoughts that pop into my head. Uh, and I just had this I just had this idea going over and over in my head uh, prior to seeing your book that I was just thinking about Africa and I was thinking, this is probably not my original idea. I probably heard this from somebody and thought it was my idea, but, um, well, it's certainly not my original idea. Cause you wrote a whole book about it, uh, which I then found, which is, you know, in a way, does Africa represent the unconscious of some of the world? And what I mean by that is like, you know, Africa, everything from it's way bigger on a map than it's been put um, it's the cradle of civilization. There's almost infinite cultures in there. There's infinite history, Egypt, Mansa Musa, all of this stuff. And yet yes. no one talk. you know, at least in, you know, the mainstream media, nobody really talks about it unless it's something negative. We don't right. we're not taught the history of Africa, except for little mm-hmm. things glancing over it. And it's just like, how can the biggest continent on earth just be put in the blind spot, just put in the unconscious? And in, in a sense does, does that mean it also exerts more power and control over the world than 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 anything else because we know the unconscious is so much more potent than than whatever is consciously yes. processing so then I then, then you know I saw your, your book came across my path and I was like oh well, this is great uh, I, so I want to talk about it I want to go back to let's talk about um, you know one of my one of the things that most interests me is that you you hint at or you go towards in both of these books is the idea of Africa as also the the root of all religions and i definitely want to talk about that so i'm not yes. quite sure where to hop off from that but
1: well i would only say that at the very beginning you know why has it reached this particular uh uh state or condition politically and i would just point out that uh one it hasn't always been this way but the other is that. Uh, Whoever wins gets to write history, right? And in the last uh, 400 years, uh, the West, meaning essentially Europe, won the last great uh, war and uh, uh, turned much of uh, large parts, not all, but large parts of Africa, particularly the coastal regions, into regions where people were taken and turned into slaves both uh, by Europeans and Arabs, and also Africans selling other Africans. What has been forgotten is that there, there used to be huge empires and civilizations in Africa, the West Coast. And when they fell, starting around the uh, mid-12th uh, and, and, and 13th century, and continued to decline until the 16th century, that is when the European slave trade began. And it's very difficult for the modern mind to uh, mistreat or enslave someone that they feel is their equal. You can't do that. Mm. You have to denigrate a person. Mm. You have to denigrate a culture. You need to do that. Otherwise, there's too much of a conflict in your mind. And so that is essentially what happened. And all things associated with Africa became lesser or demeaned in the last uh, 300 or so years, not exclusively. I mean, there were uh, scholars in Europe who pointed out, no, these Africans are the origins of everything. And in fact, uh, origin of our civilizations and everything. In fact, um, um, uh, for a long time, until around the 1800s or so, uh, in Europe, uh, the model of of civilization from the Renaissance to about the 1800s in Europe was Egypt. Egypt was thought of as the model and the goal of civilization. The pyramids, the buildings, and, and, and Europe idolized it, you know. And then, uh, with the, with, uh, the, the uh, penetration into Africa by Napoleon and others, they got there and they found they didn't find any white people to build who built the civilization. <laughs> all they saw yeah. was Africans, and so all of a sudden there was a, there was a crisis among the intelligentsia, and so that's when all of a sudden. Greece and Rome became the models of civilization and culture. Hmm. It was a flip. Because otherwise, how can you think of your person that you've enslaved as the creator of your civilization? It's too much of a head mess up.
0: Do you know there's this guy named Akala in the UK? Uh, I believe he's at the University of Oxford, but he he talks quite a lot about this. Uh, He had a... um, he had a he pointed something out which is just about this moment and and you know in europeans uh, um, coming to africa and and now when like there's all these kind of alien theories about the pyramids and things like this and he just said like you know white people are so racist that they would sooner believe that aliens built the pyramids than black people it's just like (laughs) when you put it like that that's pretty ridiculous yeah yeah
1: And, and, and and if there were some alien contact. That doesn't mean that they actually built them. That ministry it may have been cooperation. Who knows? But but most people, that you know, it is easier to believe that. than to think that these African peoples who you, used to be your slaves did this. So that is the crisis we're we're, we're currently in. That is somewhat receded, somewhat because the inevitability of of the African liberation has happened largely, not completely, by any means. But Africa is, is is colonized today primarily economically, politically. It's not. There are no there are no uh, huge um, numbers of British or French troops in Africa anymore. There are no uh, uh, um, Iberian Peninsula uh, navies and so forth parading around the per- perimeter of Africa or going in and taking gold and silver out. No. Today, the colonization is economic and financial. So you have uh, the uh, the Russians in the middle of Africa. Oh, I didn't know that. Sweden. Wait, where? Oh, yeah, uh, 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 in the uh, uh, in the Congo region and other regions. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, because they've been brought that. in by they've been they've been introduced by uh, you know they're propping up uh, corrupt leaders in Africa, and in an exchange for huge amounts of mineral resources. That's what we used to do in the American, yeah. United States. We'd go into different countries, in South America and other places, Philippines, and we would prop up, you know, failing uh, uh, country, uh, economies or, or uh, set up our own puppet regimes, and we'd, we'd extract huge amounts of wealth from them. So, the, you know, the Russians are just doing that now.
0: Yeah, it very much seems to be the colonization model today seems to be the uh, outside of propaganda colonization is the kind of economic hitman yes. model where yes. you go in, collapse the economy and then offer predatory loans for the World Economic Forum. It. So people are just in chained. Um, I know I, uh, China is also uh, doing the same yes. thing, right? I'm not yes, totally up on what's happening there, but yes, they're really we, moving. The into-
1: same They're taking advantage of, of the situation. And you know, I mean, this is what human beings have been doing for Who knows how long, until millennia. But yeah, the Chinese are doing that now too. Ultimately, I I believe it will will crash because you can't have this kind of, you can't continue to have the kind of of communication networks that we have without at some point people realizing the jig is up. You can't keep doing this. But it can continue for a long period of time, yeah. Yeah, Um,
0: it seems like Africa is also really blowing up in a good way economically. You know, Ghana is really... uh, Yes. You know, becoming a technology hub and all this stuff. And it seems like there's yeah. quite a lot of extremely exciting stuff happening.
1: There is. There is. But that doesn't make the news. Right. Uh, what makes the news is uh, pictures of starving people yeah, in refugee camps. That is the image that the ruling socioeconomic order wants to perpetuate. There's Wh- no why why is that? Idea. Why do you think that is? Because it's easier to exploit that way. That way, when you're offering uh, foreign assistance to some place, people say, oh, yeah, they really need it. When actually your foreign assistance, oftentimes, is also selling guns in exchange for uh, uh, uranium, gold, diamonds, and so forth.
0: Does that include NGOs and private charities and that type of thing?
1: Yes, uh, To much less extent. Hmm. To much less extent. Those are often used as covers, actually. Hmm. Some good work, you see? See how we're helping? And that's true. They are. But the the overwhelming majority of them are are just plain getting rich.
0: I see.
1: Hey, you know, this is the kind of species we are.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about... All
1: of us. All of us. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I say all of us because uh, people forget that um, uh, uh, during the uh, slave trade uh, from the... uh, uh 16 ish hundreds until uh the uh, late uh, 1700s all those africans brought from the central areas of africa they weren't brought there by european armies that invaded and dragged them out they got there by being in by other africans
0: yeah my mentor um...
1: human greed human greed and mendacity is pretty universal
0: Huh. My mentor, um, Genesis Piorich went to Benin in I think twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen and they did a um they did a film called The Bite of the Twin where they were looking at the Dahomey culture and the roots of Vudan. and uh but they went to mm-hmm. that gate in 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 uh in Benin where slaves were sold and picked up and they said it was really? uh just unbelievably heavy.
1: Gate of no return.
0: Let's talk about the religion um aspects. Um Do you think? I mean, this is probably has an obvious answer because humans are from Africa. But I'm sure you have the sense that you know our religion and our esoteric religion probably also all come from there as well. And there's so many interesting things to talk about there from um, the Dahomey, as I just mentioned, but also. Um, Egypt and my personal obsession, the uh, Dogon tribe and their knowledge Mm -hmm. of Sirius B and all of that, which is apparent as far as I can see, apparently maybe the source of everything. Although I believe there was, um, I, I think at least, I don't know who, but somebody had the theory at some point that the Dogon could have been the astronomers in Ancient Egypt that may have migrated after kind of things started well, to fall apart. Their,
1: that is part of their. That's part of their mythology. Yes. Oh, it that is. Okay. Were, were, yes, that they were, I didn't they, know that. They they, they draw their uh, uh, origin to a pre-dynastic Egypt, and they said they were in pre-dynastic Egypt, and that after the different wars and so forth, they migrated out of Egypt, went west, and reestablished themselves in the in the the Mali. Uh, uh, region so that is their direct testimony and the uh, there have been many migrations out of egypt there were um there are many customs that are similar but underneath the even the customs there is there is a religious and spiritual and biogenetic integration of all of this in various types of religious practices and the most telling one is of uh, the practice of what's called um depending on what culture you're in, in ancient Kemetic Egypt, the Uraeus, in in, uh, Dravidian India, Southern India, uh, before the Aryan invasions, it was the um, uh, Kundalini. And and other cultures have different names for it. What it is essentially is a recognition and a worship of the energy that moves along the spine up into different higher levels of the brain uh, and eventually, awakens the individual. And this uh, biogenetic force is a real phenomenon, and it is universal. And you find it—you can find it expressed by the shamans in Peru, by the indigenous peoples of the Americas. Uh, everybody has a different name for it, but if you look closely, it's the same thing. And by the way, it's the same technology.
2: Mm.
1: It involves stimulation of the spinal line. Yep. And using different kinds of breathing exercises and so forth of drawing this energy up higher and higher through the spinal line until she reaches uh, the cerebral cortex and then various levels within the cerebral cortex until she quote exits, uh, and you know and we have a direct symbol of that. Everybody, every time somebody goes to uh, see a uh, see a physician in the U.S. They implicitly acknowledge that. There's a the symbol of the physician. Explain, that has always staff. blown my
0: mind. Like, it, it's a, explain it's that, please. Like, what, how? It's a how? staff.
1: <laughs> it's a staff. The staff is crisscrossed seven times by two serpents. And those, until it, those two serpents reach the top of this brain, and then they disappear, the staff, and they take flight with wings. That's a direct symbolic representation of the awakening of that primordial energy through the human spinal line, which it makes it also a neurological phenomenon, all the way up to top of the brain and above. You know, the, our, our internal spine is neural tissue.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yes, it comes from the from the back of the brain all the way down to almost the tip of the spine. And that's the symbol of Kundalini also.
0: Mm. I and, wanna, go ahead.
1: And it's, and, and, and it's composed of a neural tissue that absorbs light, essentially uh, bio uh, light. The inside of your, of our skulls, we have our brain. There's no sunlight that gets in there. It's in the inside of our brain. The surface of our brain and critical areas of our brain are all dark. The surface of the brain is dark. It's melanin, hmm. And that goes all the way to huh. the surface of the brain and critical areas of the brain, all the way down the spinal line all the way down through it. And every yoga practitioner that you're going to meet will tell you that. That's the whole basis of yoga. I agree. All the different schools. I it's agree the basis completely. It's Taoism. It's the, it's the, the basis agree. of Christianity. It's the basis of Islam, Yeah. the esoteric dimensions. And it's a, not only is it a, quote, spiritual theological phenomenon, unquote, but it's also a ne- neurological, biological phenomenon yeah. No, no. I, I it I, is an evolutionary force that is captured by these different
0: disciplines. Totally. I, I completely uh, agree with you and vouch for this. I mean, I've done a lot of Kriya Yoga, including in India, and a lot of esoteric yoga. And so everything yes. you're saying is correct. I also um, teach, you know, various yogic and magical practices, and my students quite regularly have kundalini Awakening without even realizing what's happening or intentionally doing it, which I then coach them through. So, yeah, it's real, and it's it's a you know, it's It's like when when you go something when you go through something, you can always kind of say like, well, maybe I was making that up. But then when you see other people going through it after doing specific things, and it's like the same for everyone every time. Suddenly, it's a new thing. Yeah, it's a science. It is
1: ancient science, and uh, uh, the most uh, well known. I'm sure you're aware of that, of um, uh, exponents of the Kriya Yoga are uh, uh, Yogananda, mm-hmm. but also his teacher. uh Sri. Yep, yep. Ugana, that's,
0: that's, the, human that's human my lineage. Language. That's my lineage, yeah.
1: Yes, and that, yeah. Is, and that is, it is a form of Kundalini Yoga. Uh, their technique and methodology is a little bit different than some of the others, but it is the same subtle anatomy of the body and the same techniques of the use of the breath and the three internal bodily locks bringing that energy sequentially up yes so i'm so a I'm, neurological I'm, phenomenon in addition to a physical phenomenon
0: so i'm super curious about the african uh, uh you know the roots of this in africa i know I, i've seen some stuff from you know books on the comedic tradition where they're talking about this and they're even talking about like some of the statues of um the gods in egypt being yoga poses which i think yes. um uh, um even the golden dawn was hip to so um yeah i ple- i don't really know anything about that that side of things though so i'm i'm super interested
1: well there were i mean there, i mean uh, the, the the um the uh, in, uh indigenous uh, kemetic egyptians uh and folks uh, kemetic means uh the egyptians who were Primarily African, as opposed to those who became uh, Egyptian after the uh, the crossing over of the Semitic peoples into Egypt. Okay. So it's the original builders of the pyramids. But the Kemetic Egyptians, uh, they practice certain postures and a certain of their statues manifested that. There's a very famous one um, that uh, has a fusion of both that and also their understanding of. Uh, Of the shapes. You know, there are five fundamental shapes. We call them platonic shapes. Well, um, they were discovered and and, uh, uh, explicated mostly in in early Egypt. Well, in one of them, one of the statues, anyway, it shows a cube, which is one of the classic uh, five fundamental shapes, with a human brain, a human mind head coming out of it. They had it. They their mathematics was certainly very sophisticated, but they understood it differently the way that we do. They didn't separate their mathematics from the operation of the mind. Hmm. We kind of do. Did. They hmm. didn't, and um, wow. they also. Uh, That's
0: really interesting.
1: They also made use, and this is an, an interesting uh, 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 how. Folks in South Africa and West Africa picked up on this and took it further, and also to some extent in Dravidian uh, India. But certain rhythmic movements and incantations focused into the body in certain ways will also awaken that energy. Like in South Africa, there are people, um, they're called the uh, Kum people, and uh, they their religious uh, rituals involve. Uh, staying up until you're very tired, but mm-hmm. dancing, moving the feet, stimulating the feet, till eventually the movement of the feet on the ground stimulates the lower part of the spine and it stimulates that energy to awaken all the way up. Huh.
0: Okay? Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. In,
1: Interesting. in West Africa, there are also similar techniques, uh, but their uh, uh, adaptation of it was uh, sometimes uh, more symbolic. What do I mean by that? There used to be a ritual where one would uh, practice to the, uh, uh, the gods and goddesses, and then there was a central ceremony in which a person would sit on a box, and in, inside of the box was a living serpent. The thought was that the energy of the serpent would rise up through your spine all the way up to the hmm. head. And uh, their understanding was that the earth uh, was composed of a serpent with three and a half coils above the earth and three and a half coils deep within the earth. Well, I say it's a biological and neurological phenomena because the structure of our brains, structure of the human brain, is in a coil of three and a half. There's a brain stem, membrane limbic system, cortex, and then a partially developed cortex, neocortex. So it's three and a half times. And in the mm. same thing, you find the same symmetry, the same symbolism in ancient Dravidian India. You find it in Peru. You find it among the Aztecs. In other words, in every spiritual tradition that involves a natural physical discipline, you still you see that three and a, a serpent called yeah. three and a half times around with the head down. And your job as a spiritual aspirant is to awaken that energy and point her upward which is what you do in the kriya yoga yes and that's what it is and so yeah. it's both a physical practice yes but it also is a neurological uh reality and that is based upon our uh anthropological biogenetic history of millions of years yeah. and it all comes out of that african context
0: that's interesting i mean so, it- The Dravidians in South India also migrated directly from North Africa,
1: or maybe not North
0: Africa, but Africa. No,
1: more more like South and West and and East Africa, yes. They migrated over Interesting. thousands of years, but that's what they did, yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So we carry that, all of us, we carry that with us collectively. And beneath our surface ethnic uh, uh, reality is a much deeper reality we all share this in common.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is so, it's esoteric, but it's also so pertinent to exoteric world events in the sense that, you know, shortly before this call, we were talking about Israel, Palestine, you know, so much of the apocalyptic theology around the Middle East is wrapped up in not just the book of Revelation, but part of it, you know, from the evangelical Christian side is the book of Revelation and um, the attempts to enact that. Well, the book of Revelation, if you study this stuff is obviously also about kundalini yoga when they talk about the seven <laughs> yes, churches and the seven churches and all this stuff and the, 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 seven the, channels, the, yeah.
2: the yeah, And yeah, it's like, right. okay,
0: so, so, you know, it's like perhaps a tragedy here of the world is that a lot of these texts were written in twilight language or code by people who were having these experiences and then people who had no idea about any of that got hold of it and said, okay, we need to destroy the Holy Land to bring back Jesus to the third temple and all this stuff. And it's like, well, no, it's it's a metaphor, but you're missing the point. You know, people missed the point.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, uh, uh, we, I think that we are on the verge, however, collectively as a species of rediscovering that partially brought on by uh, two, uh, crises. One is the, uh, climate ecological crisis, which it will demand of us, whether we like it or not, kicking and screaming. It will demand a change in our part or we will not survive. Is that, is it's getting to that point? I mean, last year, last summer in large parts of Europe for long weeks of period, temperatures of a hundred degrees plus. And their buildings are not air conditioned, you know. Many of their buildings are not air conditioned,
2: hmm.
1: and it's, it'll be demanded. Look at what's happening out in the certain uh, certain parts of the southwestern arc in our country, in the U.S.A. Certain parts of the country are simply uninhabitable. Right, I'm not making a big thing of it right now. But I was I was out in Arizona. Was it last summer? Last summer, and at, at a conference, and uh, I got off the plane, and I went through the airport, and then I got out of the airport to to get my ride to the uh, facility, whoa, it was like 110 degrees. I said, what the, what? So I get in the air conditioned taxi, we drive out to the desert, I get out of the taxi to get into the hotel, whoa! It was so hot. I mean, inconceivably hot, and it's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So we're gonna be compelled to change. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think millions of us are going to just get wiped out. Yeah, uh, I mean, before we change, but we have to. We have to. And that's, and we usually change when we have to. Well, we definitely
0: have to. I mean, I, I think um, you know somebody um, uh, pointed out to me, Daniel Pinchbeck, just pointed out to me, um, you know, the Middle East, the, the conflict zone in the Middle East, like that, that might not even be habitable by humans at all in twenty years.
1: Right now. And, Mind you me.
0: know, the, the disturbing thing about um, increasing temperatures, too, is it increases violence. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like I lived in L.A. for 11 years. You can observe this firsthand when it gets like yes. get that
1: hot. Oh, so, I used, to, I used to live in L.A. Okay. People get they're on the freeway and they <laughs> yeah. and the cars are stop and they just, that's it.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> And yeah. and I think it's a big part of climate change. Is clearly part of the um the increasing te- racial tensions because part of it is people are trying to like turn their countries into fortresses from climate refugees. But that's going to be the whole world. There's not. It, it's just, we're going to have to deal with it. You can't just like you can't just like oh, put your head in the sand because it's going to be no everywhere.
1: M- no amount. No amount of troops on the southern border is going to stop that. Right. <laughs> right. No amount. Right. No amount. Uh, and the seas are rising and we are going to have and some countries will simply disappear in the in the pacific uh but we you know but we will change but only when we have a gun to our head and then we'll we'll have to and there there are uh, countries and economies and even private businesses and enterprises that are rushing to do something about it and they're fig- figuring out a way to make this also uh uh profitable mm-hmm. which is great That is great yeah It is great yeah But we have to do it and uh uh, I have no idea how this situation in the Middle East, with between Palestine and Israel, is going to be resolved, and maybe not resolved, and maybe just rises and slows down, rises and slows down. But it's now quite lethal, it's going yes. on as we speak. Well, as I mean, we speak,
0: yeah, and um, is is deeply deeply weighing on me to the point where I've had to just take breaks for my own mental health because it's, right. it's in a, in a right. serious way, like it's it's not it's so
1: painful to watch it's, it's just so painful to watch and there, i don't see any solution uh from their point of view of what they're saying maybe there's private conversations going on somewhere but all the public discourses and presentations and posturing indicate that there's no resolution inside in so what's yeah. going to i don't know
0: yeah but, i just um, every every time i get, get online every time it's I, terrifying. it's horrible. It's like, every time I look at the news, every time I look at Twitter, all I get is just, you know, I've never seen people this hateful and divided uh, and know. that's saying something. Cause I was, you know, like people are pretty hateful right. and divided already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, the pressure to, uh, take sides the the, the people retaliating against people who took the side I they don't know. like, it's just like, come yeah, really. on, this is just madness. And I think that, uh, well, to, you know, to focus on a positive, I mean, I, I think you kind of hint at many times in your in your work that, or not hint, you say that in a way, embracing our African unconscious is is brings a lot is a a, a ray of hope, and, and I agree with you. But I'm curious what you mean by that.
1: I mean recognizing that we share, and I do mean share, a deeper identity with each other, and that I may have preferences. Uh, for this or that, uh, spiritually speaking. And you may have preferences for this, spiritually speaking, because it fits your body uh, differently, and that's totally okay. But the deep goal in both situations is to raise a primordial energy up to the spinal line, regardless of what we kind of want to call it. Uh, and, um, and one, and two, every one of our religious traditions, no exceptions to the rule. Every one of our great spiritual traditions points out that we are all one family, literally, spiritually, biologically, otherwise, and it points that out. And now we are scientists, anthropology, uh, uh, genetics, uh, serological studies, blood studies, all pointed to the same thing also. So all the stuff is right there in front of us. It really is. And the climate crisis is compelling us to re- combine reconfigure all of this and those of us who figure that out will survive and thrive and transcend and those who don't will do as others in the past they will fade away into history yeah this is this is the great crisis of our species right now and it's both a moral crisis obviously it's an economic crisis but it's also a spiritual crisis and ultimately a uh, will be a biological test of our capacity as a species and some of us are going to get wiped out, unfortunately. What's happening right now. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a believer in, I'm a believer in the soul. And I believe that we come back.
0: I, I do too, against do. all against all over, rational. Better better thought, yes.
1: Well, you know, the rational is only one particular, very useful way to understand the world process, but it by no means you know, yes. all, all, all of the world is not understood in rational terms
0: yes most of it barely any of it it's is not. understood yeah it's, not, I it's think, a tool we develop and it's a great tool but it, it doesn't but it's a tool, I mean, it's, a tool. It's, a tool. it's a tool that's the most important bit you, you shouldn't you shouldn't let it use you um right. i think that esotericism um whatever i mean there's no perfect word for it spirituality whatever like real um esotericism has a big role to play in this because i uh, which is why i've spent so much of my life kind of. Pushing it, uh, you know. I think that I'm sure you've heard that phrase. You know, all mystics come from the same country. I think that yes, was uh, what was that? That was um, I forget the guy's name, Meister Eckhart, I think. And oh. uh, he, he's. I think that's totally true. And you know, example. Yes. I've known you for like 57 minutes only, and we were already connecting and talking about some of the deepest uh, neurological, okay. spiritual experiences people can have. In in total agreement, we're experiencing the same thing.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I, I,
0: I didn't, you know, I haven't talked to you until 57, you know, an hour ago (laughs) and yet we're already on the same page. And I think that's the power of, you know, just, even if you just want to focus on Kriya Kundalini, just that aspect alone. I mean, Mm -hmm. once you get into that, you see, well, this underlies everything and people are basically, people are killing each other over the symbols they use to describe this thing. It's like they're killing each other over the menus without eating the food.
1: That's essential. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because if you eat the food, you'll go, yeah.
0: So, I but think our, that... But,
1: you know, we, 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 we are afraid of, uh, of losing the spasm of identity that we have, even though we know ultimately that it will fade away. That is why our, our, our salvation as a species will probably be that when we, get, we see how climate is going, we start getting really terrified of it, that people turn to the deeper roots of their religion not the hateful parts of it but the deeper parts of it and when they do they'll discover a common faith a common soul
0: yeah. that's beautiful you know? I, I think that uh, this year is a huge turning point for a lot of reasons but one of one of them is this this is the hottest the 2023 was the hottest year in recorded history as far as i'm aware and uh, yes. uh i sure felt it in texas so um mm-hmm. i think um Uh, I I think that my my sense is like you don't really hear Republicans denying climate change anymore. Maybe they do, but I haven't been hearing it. And so it's like I think it's basically it's so in front of people's literally in front of their faces that they're kind of they can't deny it.
1: They can't deny it. They can't deny it. And it's not a matter of I'll sit in my backyard and the climate won't get me, but it'll get you. (laughs) Right. Right,
0: right. No. <laughs> yeah. And it's causing, I mean, like, it doesn't I, care. It doesn't care. I mean, like, I was one of the people that left uh, 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 California in 2020 when it was just like, because there's no escape from the fires, from the, the you right. know, it's just like, it's just becoming uninhabitable and, and, and minorly uninhabitable. Obviously, it's still habitable, but it's becoming, the climate is just becoming so much more extreme. And that's yes, happening all over the world. Extreme. So, and it's I don't,
1: all over the world. And, uh, 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 probably when we're compelled to recognize that, unfortunately, in the in the name of our own salvation, we're probably going to have to do some pretty draconian things. Like in what? Terms of, uh, limiting the use of uh, carbon fuels. I mean, I mean seriously limiting the use of carbon fuels. When there was a crisis, crisis back in the 70s, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposedly running out of gasoline uh, every other day. You were able to get your car filled, you know, uh, mandate, mandating that, uh, you know, internal combustion engines be increasingly more efficient and expensive and subsidizing, uh, electronic vehicles. Uh, we will have to massively expand solar and other ways of, 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 of harvesting energy from the earth. The, the, the uh, um, uh, carbon-based ones are only one. There's tremendous energy solar. There's, there's huge amounts of energy the, geothermal. And there's even, uh, done the right way, safe nuclear energy. So there are all kinds of alternatives. The ocean waves create energy.
0: Yeah, with the... Um...
1: Exploit on a massive level, Tesla technology, of drawing energy out of the center of the Earth. You know, it, it, you, you know, the guy who created um, uh, uh, many of the mechano- uh, many of the uh, wonders of the world today, uh, Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he devised ways of extracting energy out of the center of the earth and transmitting it. Yes, he did.
0: Yeah. Except uh, no one except acted the- on it.
1: Well, uh, there was a big war uh, between uh, Tesla and Edison, mm-hmm. and with Tesla's, it wasn't immediately clear. How you made money from it? But with Edison, it was yeah. Edison won.
0: Yeah,
1: John Edison won. Okay, but now uh, we need uh, many of the insights and uh, creations of Tesla. So we've got to. So we there are technological ways to greatly ameliorate this, but we're probably going to have to go through a really bad uh, decade. I mean, a really.
0: Bad, at mean. least. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, before we shift, we will.
0: Well, I think that the, the shift is happening. I mean, like for instance, California is trying to go hundred percent EVs, electric vehicles by 2030, but there's another angle to that too, which is like, you know, those are okay. They don't burn gas, but in order to make those, they need rare earth minerals that they're raiding Africa to get. So they're not necessarily it. better for the environment and they're, no, they're man, having man, to do it, extractive man. imperialism to get the
1: right. And, get and at the, the, the bottom stuff. of the sea. And the same with extracting some of these rare earths at the bottom of the sea. I didn't know about that part. Yeah. How will that affect circulation of the currents? We don't know that yet. So, uh, but there are ones that are relatively neutral. Uh, Waves of the sea create energy. And that can be harnessed. Uh, Geothermal energy. We barely scratch the surface with that. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fusion technologies. We have a lot of alternatives but we have to double down on, on exploring those and uh, tell the the oil and, and carbon people: you can still be millionaires and billionaires. You just have to do it a different way, right? I'm not gonna take your money, but you have to <laughs> go in a different direction because this will kill us.
0: Yes, it is kill- it's I th- killing I, us. I think a lot of the I think, for instance, Shell and a lot of those companies are, are putting a tremendous amount of research yeah. into that, and you could call that greenwashing. But I think that it's you know they they recognize uh, yes. th- what's coming too. I mean, they they have to. They have to protect their bottom line. And, um, it's interesting, it's, you know, it's like, like for the climate, uh, I used to work in advertising for doing what I suppose people would call greenwashing, but pushing, uh, uh sustainable corporate programs with things. And one of the things I notice is it's, it's often like, like the way, the way I think one of the best ways to get through the ecological crisis is to remove morality completely from it. Like people say like, well, you know, like you were saying, profit's a great thing. I agree. You know, one of the things I, I notice is a lot of times it's like some of the worst people, Uh, that you want to work with, for instance, Las Vegas, run by the mafia, but they knew 15, 20 years ago that this was coming and they've been working steadily to turn it into a sustainable city. It's like, well, that's good. Who cares that it's the mafia? You know, it's like, this is planet earth. It's going to require everyone, you know? yeah.
1: If we don't survive, you know, the mafia doesn't survive either. Right. There's always always going to be criminal elements and everything. I mean, you know, come on, ancient Egyptian and Roman times, there were folks who weren't the most savory people, but you know the name of the game is the is the survival and the transcendence of our species. And uh, however we get there, you know, sometimes it's in a enlightened democratic way, sometimes it's a different way. But as long as we eventually get there and uh, our species triumphs and survives, uh, you know because that is what we do. And eventually, we, we do come back to a moral center. We do. We're a moral creature also. We we are. I mean... Uh,
0: That's reassuring.
1: <laughs> well, we, some things you can't do today that we used to be able to do 500 years ago. Like what? Uh, you can't kill a person because you own them anymore. Uh, you, you might cannot, be able
0: to in Saudi Arabia.
1: Uh, you have to do it, but you have to do it by government, and it has to be sanctioned by... Supposedly religious law. Okay, you just can't do it. Okay, feel it. <laughs> Okay, you know, and you can't, you can't uh, uh, rape uh, someone in your household because you feel it that day, like some Roman. I you think it might, it, that
0: might it. depend on where you live in the world.
1: That might be dependent on where yeah. you live in the world, and, and it's much less than it used to be. But can you still do it? Yeah. Is it cool? No.
0: Yeah, so we, we've really improved. I mean, it's just like people, it's really easy to get hopeless and bleak. But I mean, even if you just look 100 years ago, it's like the the even even in my lifetime, it's like the amount of improvement of things like yes, every oh, yes. improvement brings with it its own dark side, like social media, perfect oh, example, right? But oh, yes, but the, you know, when I, when I think back to, you know, like, growing up in the 80s, seeing people dying of AIDS and it's right. just like, you know, like no one ever talks about that anymore. And everyone was convinced everyone was going to die of AIDS. Now you never right. even no No one even seems to care anymore, which yeah, has its we own adapted. downsides. We,
1: yeah. we, we found ways around it and we uh, found a way to limit it. And we're going to do the same thing with every other disease that pops up. But it, it means there's collateral damage. But We're a triumphant species. We adapt. We keep coming back. There have been plagues in the past that have wiped out a third of our civilizations and we've come back you know the bubonic plagues in the middle ages the black death wiped out a third of europe talk about a dark time
0: yeah
1: they came back
0: yeah i mean even world war ii i don't know what 50 100 million people died something like that but a few years later all those numbers had easily been replenished in world population. So even the most apocalyptic that's obviously we don't want to repeat that but like it's not a good thing but even the most apocalyptic moments uh the human it it doesn't even seem to make a dent in the overall human project
1: we we you know we find a way (laughs) and we're going to find a way out of this uh ethnic crisis of identity and this uh A climate crisis, not without a lot of pain, but we're going to, and uh, we're going to reach out and we're going to travel to the stars. We are
0: absolutely. What so? What role do you feel that Africa has to? What role will Africa play in in building the future?
1: I think uh, uh, the turning back to Africa and our primal values and primal vision uh, will be very important. What does that mean concretely? It means that uh, 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 in Africa, um, the, prim- the, the primal understanding of in most ph- of philosophies in Africa and, and, and religious traditions is that the world is alive, that the cosmos is alive and conscious, and that we can interact with it. And that it's a spiritual phenomenon doesn't mean it's not physical. Also, doesn't mean it's not also rational doesn't mean it's also not scientific but the fundamental assumption is that the world is alive and uh we have a we are intricately uh, an integral part of that much the same as in the deeper corridors of yoga recognition that consciousness is the fundamental reality you know uh in africa they don't call it necessarily Quote unquote consciousness, unquote per se. It's more like a philosophy of personalism or personal essence pervades everything. You know, Africa use, African used to get a lot, lot of criticism in the West, particularly from certain philosophical circles uh, dominated by logical positivism and other approaches to the world order that way, that um, uh, uh, would, would, would recognize that a tree would have a spirit in it. And it was like, oh, animism, uh, uh, regressive thinking, uh, (laughs) archaic reasoning, uh, paleontological thought. No.
0: It's also reality.
1: It's It's also reality. And it's a lie. And you know who else is saying that these days? Many of the corridors of quantum mechanics that indicate that consciousness pervades even the material world at the most subtle levels, when there are these Experiments called slip screen experiments uh, where they're determining whether a light is a particle or a wave, etc. But also, what when it goes through the slip screen, where does it go? And it looks like even at that level, that these quanta seem to make decisions about which direction they go. There is. And there are lots of other experiments like that. Hard experiments that lends credence to the notion that at the most fundamental level consciousness is there that doesn't mean your ego is there it means consciousness is there like you walk outside of the your your, your home there and you see a dog well that dog you know is conscious he's not conscious in the way you're conscious but he's, he's obviously conscious he's, yeah he's obviously conscious and uh, and then so is that bird. And on some level, so is that caterpillar.
0: Or rocks, even, I would say.
1: And rocks. Yeah. They all partake of consciousness on various levels. And that understanding of the world process makes the world ultimately sacred.
0: I agree. And and I think that, you know, on my own um experiments with, with religion, it's like I feel that the religions that really start from that understanding, I think mm. to, to a large extent, um, you know, African religion, Hinduism a lot mm-hmm. of buddhism not all of it but a lot of buddhism um uh um, indigenous religion in general i think is is all kind of anything that starts from that perspective is pretty chill and accepting of people and enjoyable and is mostly about how to live a good life then you get into the ones that are like we have to kill everyone so that xyz right. person can come back it's like okay this is extremely uncool uh right. <laughs> like, so i i feel that the future is very much in the you know, to put, I guess, more academic language on that, the imminent instead of the transcendent religions. Because it's all mm-hmm. about what's here and right in front of our faces. And, and you right. know, in many ways, you could argue that, um, and not just religion, belief systems that encourage a separation from the world or could have, may have led to the ecological crisis in the first place.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. And, and, and at a certain point in our history as a species, we needed to, quote, objectify, unquote, Large parts of nature to manipulate it and have some sense of control over it. We did; otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten off of the uh, gotten out of the uh, the savannas. We needed to learn how to master fire. We needed to, instead of being awed by it, we needed to learn how to create it, sustain it. We needed to do the same with water. We needed to do the same eventually with chemicals. One kind or another. We needed to figure out how to order things. And so we created or discovered mathematics in various forms. We needed to objectify nature in order to, quote, progress. Okay. But at a certain point, we have to also realize that our Frankenstein creation can also (laughs) turn back on us. And, uh, you know, uh, science is a very rarefied tool. But it is a tool and we have to use it. Science is no more the truth than deep mysticism and spirituality is. They're on a cold footing, at least for me. Mm. And they should be able to hold hands. Well, you said something
0: earlier, which I 1000% agree with, which is, you know, we have big, big weapons, but adolescent consciousnesses. I mean, Yogananda said something similar, and I think that that's the core. And this is kind of why I do what I do at least, which is like, okay, there are actual practice, for instance, kundalini yoga. You know, one of the things, the ideas you get from that is spirituality can be trained. Western people, I think, have this idea from inherited from Christianity that you're only spiritual if you're the the one son of God. And it's like, no, you can actually train spirituality meditation, just like going to the gym. Kriya yoga, right. kundalini yoga, anything like that, even just basic yoga, like they are yes. all, you know, you can train it just like you would train any other skill. And it's like, why don't we start doing that if we're handling AI, mm-hmm. space travel, nuclear weapons, biological, That's genetic right. warfare, a, all that. Maybe, maybe they should go together.
1: Well, you know, it's very empirical. Uh, uh, Kriya yoga is very empirical. Do this, notice that. Absolutely. Watch that. Absolutely very empirical, very causal, very experientially validating. So there's a methodology. And isn't that the core of science, a methodology? Do this, notice that, collect data based on data, do this.
0: And then have other people repeat your experiment and get the same results, which I've proven to myself again and again and again and again, you know, yes. with some of these things. So yeah, that's absolutely.
1: Science. That's science. That's a, that's a science. It's a different kind of science than biochemistry. It's a different kind of science than oceanography. It's a different kind of science than astronomy, but it is a science.
0: I think for me, it's like some of these things. Like even Kriya Yoga, it's almost like um, learning to use your body in the way that's supposed to use. And not to be crude, but I mean, in many sa- senses, it's it's kind of similar to finding out how sex works in your early mm-hmm. yes. teen, you know, preteen or early that's teen years or experiment. earlier. And then yeah, all of a sudden same. you're like, wow, my body can do this thing. It's kind of similar with, the, uh, yeah, it's actually, you know, same spinal channel. So, um, yeah, uh, extremely, extremely interesting. Maybe I want to take, I want to take a slightly different tack though. One okay. thing that I am super interested in, and I noticed you, you, you talk about, um, in your books is you have a whole appendix on it in, in our African unconsciousness unconscious, excuse me, is, um. The migration of some of the African traditions to the New World. You talk about mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the most obvious one being the various Yoruban traditions, Vodun, Santa yeah. all you know, all the various forms of it throughout the New World, North, South, Central America. Um, how, like, I talk about that process. I mean, how much do you think survived? How much was mixed with Catholicism? Did it become something totally different? Uh,
1: I, uh, there was a syncretic, uh, a fusion. Uh, of many of the uh, uh, disciplines and rituals from West Africa, in particular in the middle of Africa, in the the, um, mid-coastal regions of Africa, where much of the slave trade came. And uh, in order to be allowed to practice the Christianized religion, it had to dovetail uh, with other practices so that it was not seen. In other words, your original practices had to be hidden within the cloak of Christianity. Otherwise, you would not be able to practice. And so uh, that is what happened. And uh, many of the African gods, quote unquote gods and goddesses, became quote saints, unquote, of one kind or another. Saint Christopher, Saint Bartholomew. And they became associated with various other kinds of energies in nature. And so that is that syncreticism uh, was very important. And uh, it was not all lost by any means, but it was uh, translated and integrated. And it had to do that in order to survive. Uh, um, right now, in different parts of South America, you find the Vudan traditions as Kandambole in some areas, uh, uh, other names in other areas. But underneath it is the same notion and the same gods and the same notion of being, quote, possessed or, or, or taken over by the living spirit, by the loa, by the by an energy fusion. And very often that energy fusion took the form of a serpentine goddess, you know? And it was dangerous at times to practice it because uh, it was very evocative. And many of the slave owners were frightened by what they saw. And for good reason. Yeah. Um, because- well, uh, There was the
0: whole slave they, revolt in Haiti with the involving Vudan and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, it began in a right. rite. You are practicing in a, a Radha Vudan uh, right, and it just took off from there. And that's when the
0: rebellion began. Isn't Radha, like, the more relaxed one, and Petro is the more fiery and explosive one? Or maybe I'm they're wrong about both,
1: that. They're both, they're both intense. Uh, and depending on who you like and who you read, you might lean toward one or toward the other. But we know it began in a Vudan, uh energized right. And, uh, uh, isn't it interesting that since that time, even though, uh, the peoples of Haiti did kick the French out, Haiti has never gotten on its own feet very long.
0: Yes. Well, you know, as Genesis used to point out to me, you know, America, America has never forgiven Haiti for that. Right. You know, and you know even the amount of exploitation of Haiti, even by the Clintons and people like this is just uh, it's just unbelievable that this could continue going on but
1: right uh and and and, and sometimes people go over it and sometimes they have the best of intentions, but what seems to happen is that uh the peoples of Haiti end up being uh misused, and right now there are huge uh gang violence and riots in Haiti. For supremacy, because the, the state is a is a failed state, it's falling apart. And every time it was getting its act together, the U.S. Secret Service would go in and cripple it. The Secret Service, uh, um, the foreign, uh, uh, our uh, our uh, government, in various forms, would go in and uh, sabotage the new government and they would fall. And then all of a sudden we have chaos again. Yeah. It's happened multiple times.
0: Well, it's it, been the whole
1: paradigm. Yeah. It was happening before Papa Doc.
0: Yeah. I mean this, is the, Doc, this, is, this is the Monroe. Doc. This is the Monroe Doctrine, like halfway through the nineteenth century. It's like we've been doing it yeah. ever since.
1: Yeah. And uh and for economic and political reasons. Um, uh yeah. And uh I even think just to a certain extent they are even, uh, I'll say it this way: uh, in the in the intense on rights, you do release very difficult to control energies, and I think that there's there's a fear of that happening uh, in Haiti and 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 among Black peoples in general.
2: Mm, yeah,
1: and uh, on the plantations here in the Americas, in the North America, uh, oftentimes uh, indigenous. Spiritual practices were forbidden by the uh, by the master of the plantation. Uh, the use of the drum, oftentimes, was outlawed because it not only in, in, invoked uh, intense spiritual energies, but it was also a way that that slaves used to uh, communicate with each other over distances. It was the drum? Uh-huh. Okay, okay, yes. And so the drum was That's often uh, illegal because it was seen as a you know. Uh, uh, a way to get around, to it. so it it has a long, long, long history. Um, but it's but it's the other side of that is that there is a enormously powerful psychotechnology there, powerful psychotechnology there. If you go to some fundamentalist Pentecostal African American churches, you'll notice something that uh, very often the preacher will be preaching his thing. Uh, with the congregation, and there will be a call and response, call and response, call and response. And very oftentimes people will will get very excited about it and they will feel, quote, possessed by the Spirit, by by the by the by Jesus in this case. And the ushers would, you know, beautifully come and get them and take them out. Okay. So that's one way of being sort of like awakening that energy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. is that uh, it, uh, if you watch very closely, some African American dances early on, from the jitterbug all the way to up today, there is a movement and a lot of movement emphasizing the lower back and spine, mm. and stimulating that. Yes, interesting. Right. Interesting. Flexing that lower back and spine. Interesting. Sacral region is another way to stimulate that energy and wake yes. it up. Yeah, it doesn't stay there because it, the, the, the 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 folks don't have the the uh, the, uh, the techniques of being able to sustain it up there, which which you would be able to do in Kundalini or Kriya Yoga. So it doesn't, uh, you know, so it rises, but then it just goes back down too. And the whole point of Kriya Yoga and Kundalini Yoga, as you know, is to not only raise it gradually, but also to keep it stabilized yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise it higher and stabilize it there. Raise it higher and stabilize it there. So, um, but but the, the powerful technology is there
0: it, it sounds like you might have personal experience as well is that is that the case with yeah. voodoo and that type of thing tell tell me about that i mean uh, uh, podcasts are the medium of stories so i would love to hear about well this.
1: you know i, I haven't per, i've only participate participated in one voodoo right and um um i didn't particularly like it okay it was uh <laughs> it was a little too much energy so to speak coming in at at one time and uh, i at the time i was in ilia ife in africa and uh i had to do some things to initiate um you you have to do certain kinds of rituals uh to initiate yourself into uh the circle of a of a of a, uh, of a particular community or person and one of the things i had to do was to uh uh, go to the what's called the fetish market in in town. there's this market, huge outdoor market, and pick up some bizarre items. I thought uh, at this and bring them back to this, you know, this this babaloa, this priest. And so I did it. It's pretty weird, but I did it. And um, then we did some other things later on. And then later on that night, when I went up back to my place to stay and sleep, I'm laying there sleeping. And, uh, oh, I should say this, when I was in the fetish market, uh, I hooked eyes onto one woman there, um, who was selling some wares of one kind or another, and I didn't, I wasn't interested in buying them, I didn't need them, but we talked for a little bit. Uh, well, uh, uh, later that night when I went to sleep, I'm in the middle of a dream, and I'm sleeping, and all of a sudden, it's like somebody reached in and pulled the, screened away from my dream and there she was in a very frightening sort of way Mm. and i woke up and i was really really scared i didn't like that i'm being honest
0: yeah was that as far as as, was that as far as it went or
1: it's as far as it went i said no i'm not going down that path
0: anymore yeah i had the similar somewhat similar experience not in africa but you know i I was very deeply interested in vudan and my late teens and early twenties and, and, you know, got initiated into things like this. And it, it the, the terror is real and it definitely felt yeah. it was not for me, you know, and, and, um, but I have a tremendous amount of uh, mm. respect for it. It scares me. I mean, mm. it's like, you know, there's also the level of how involved in human trafficking it is in, in West Africa. With I, I so. was
1: aware of that at that time. I was only aware primarily of, of this particular technique. Yeah, and uh, experience—it's real and for I, it's sure, quite, though it's real. Oh, it's quite real. Very and real. I, I yeah. said, I said, no, 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 no. I like the mo- I like a predictable uh, path, and that is why I've stayed with uh, Kundalini Yoga. Yeah, because it, it is slower, but it's uh, it's it's more uh, you conduct the life current in a much more uh, soothing and predictable way, and it's pleasurable. It's not terrifying. In my experience, as a yeah, of the uh, yeah living servant. It's always been very pleasurable.
0: It also adds. It doesn't detract from your life. It allows you to do it your normal life stuff. No, yeah,
1: not at all. No, it makes advances. makes it
0: better. Yeah, it
1: enhances it tremendously.
0: I got the sense with Vodan that. You know, it's it's there's no half measures with it. It's like you're you're either in or you're out. And when you're in, right. it's like joining the mafia. And I feel like it's also not the kind of thing that you should just randomly walk up to. It tends to be the type of thing that people get born into or, or called to, yeah, right? So to be, yeah,
1: you have to and you have to be trained the right way. And I decided nope. My intuition was that I wanted something that was more publicly dim, uh, uh, demonstratable, replicatable. Uh, I could explore with other people. Do cause and effect experiments, test things out. Do you, so, do,
0: you, do you feel that the gods and spirits are real? Absolutely. And do you feel that the gods and spirits in uh, the North American uh, voodoo traditions are the same ones from Africa, or are they new ones?
1: I believe that they are the same, but they're watered down.
0: Interesting. How, how do you not mean?
1: Not as powerful. Because unfortunately, many teachers in the African American traditions of voodoo. Uh, are not as um, uh, disciplined uh, as uh, in, in, in in either West Africa or for that matter in Bahia, in uh, Brazil, where many of the traditions still linger in their original form. And um, uh, um, there are some very good, very, very good teachers here in the U.S., but uh, most that I've talked to have not been mm, well. Put it this way: they like the ceremonies and they like the, the the dress and the garb and so forth. But in terms of the actual uh, tradition disciplines, physical disciplines, uh, the breathing disciplines, the focus of attention disciplines are not as in, not as deep or as hmm. intense as I would like. That's sure. me speak. that.
0: Do you know, um, I've been spending a lot more time in New Orleans uh, and kind of looking around for stuff. And the sense I get from New Orleans is a lot of that stuff is not there, or it's kind of a tourist version. But yeah. um, there is Sally Ann Glassman who's there. Have you come across her stuff?
1: I remember the
0: name from somewhere. She's she she's written a bunch of books. She's kind of the big voudon priestess there, but uh, she's white and Jewish. But, and so she kind of approaches it from a Kabbalistic angle, but her stuff is great um it's the the same it's the same energy yeah and she did some syncretizing it with western magic which is really interesting so
1: it's the same energy that uh uh, kabbalah uh uh, talks about the energies awakening in different areas and moves along the spine uh kundalini the same kriya the same it's the same force it's the same energy we call it by different names and we have different methodologies and techniques
0: how, how so and what names
1: well, so, uh, Kriya Yoga from what I understand of the Yoganandas is not exactly the same as uh, the Kundalini Yoga of, um, of uh, the classical traditions but there's a 90% overlap there's a 90% overlap and also there are some things that you uh, should not do uh, unless you are actually being watched very closely by a uh, by a teacher by a master you cannot open a book so i do yeah I yeah, 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 yeah. no you can't stuff. you can't you can't you do that and it's like you know what i think i'll be an electrician let me go get some wires and <laughs> stick them in here and uh, yes, that's a great metaphor yeah that's
0: a very good metaphor
1: see, see what happens no you don't do that this is much of a science that requires an apprenticeship and learning and preparation as anything else
0: takes a long time too.
1: And, uh, it takes a long time and it takes commitment.
0: I think a lot of it, you know, it, my, my experience also in to, to myself too, I mean, to a large extent, it's like, I feel a lot of, um, certainly Americans are not cool with authority and the idea of seeding. Cause with the guru system, it's like you do what the guru says, period, whether you like it or not, you have to cede authority to the guru yes, otherwise. And, and I think that, um, you know, otherwise it's just your ego directing the show and then you're going to get nowhere. Right so
1: not very far not very far and uh and uh if the if the guru is has their act together and usually they do the serious one uh they will at some point will have you do exercises to prove things to yourself not take it simply on their authority i mean um um yoga nanda's teacher Yogananda was in the ashram for, what, was it 12 years?
0: Long time, since Um, he was a kid, too.
1: Well, and and, and Sri Yukteswar trained him in many of the other kinds of things. Yukteswar apparently was not a very wordy guy, but he demonstrated things that Yogananda would then do for himself. Yes.
0: Fearsome teacher.
1: Yes, he was a teacher. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he didn't get, people gathered around because he gave orders. He was the real thing. Mm -hmm. He was the real thing. I
0: completely agree.
1: Yeah. And a very, very, very powerful teacher. Uh, For those of you who are interested, uh, uh, his uh, soul book, The Holy Science. Oh, absolutely. Is an absolute distilled masterpiece. Absolutely. I think
0: the most important part of that book is he, he, you know, he went back and redid the math and said, we're not in the Kali Yuga. We're in the Pura Yuga. We're coming out of it. I mean, that piece of information alone, people love to embrace this Kali Yuga idea as like a call to extremism or to doing whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, we're not in the Kali Yuga. We're not in the Iron Age. That was the Middle Ages. That was the bubonic plague, at least according to Yukteswar. So th- that's mm-hmm. a great book, The Holy Science. Yes, um, it is. Well, there's so there's so many topics we can cover and and go into. What about the you've touched on the identity war and the culture war in the US, not to take it back to a more grim subject. But Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel is driving that deep down? And, you know, outside of the stuff, we've maybe just the stuff we've already talked about, but do you have any other thoughts on resolving that? Hopefully?
1: Well, I don't I don't know about totally resolving it, but I do uh, know that uh, when people are frightened and anxious and more easily controlled, if people are reflective and they think about things and they look at the, the, the fundamentals of of, uh, of their situation, they uh, tend to be more rational, deliberative and so forth. But if people are being told something's going to be taken from you, you're going to be Put in a bad situation, uh, uh, you are in some way threatened, either financially threatened, economically threatened, genetically threatened, whatever. Then you become anxious, and you're easier easier to control. A frightened person is easier to control yeah. than a person is rational. And so, if you can keep your population fearful, then you control them. That was the whole basis of Nazi Germany. Fear. That was the whole basis of uh, of uh, of Mao in China, keep everybody fear, keep everybody fearful. But that was the whole point of Soviet Russia, keep everybody afraid by propaganda and other things. They didn't have enough police to lock everybody up. And the terror is that when people stop being afraid, then your then your thing falls apart. As long as you can keep them fearful, you know they're gonna they're gonna come in and do this awful thing to you. They're gonna da 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 da. And people go,
2: oh, God.
1: And then and somebody comes along and promises you they'll be a strong man, and I'll make everything better. People say, save us, strong man. It's an old formula. It works. It works. Franco in Spain, worked. You know? Hitler in Germany, it worked. You know, Stalin in the Soviet Union, it works. It works.
0: And you think that's driving a lot of the, some of the conflicts that are going on right now?
1: I think a lot of them in the Middle East, yeah. Uh, Hamas is telling uh, its people, <laughs> with some background history too. It's not just out of the, out of the nothingness. Mm-hmm. And the Israeli leaders, not now who's telling his people,
2: <laughs>
1: and they're going, okay. So you get two groups of terrified people doing terrible things to each other mm. with no solution in sight. And they're both suffering. It's like uh, it's like Thomas Jefferson said about slavery. A little bit, he did, he said, at least on some level, spiritually, he didn't uh, he didn't approve of slavery, but he said it's it's like he's got the wolf by the ears. <laughs> he can't if he lets it go.
0: What 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 did what did he mean specifically by that? I
1: mean, he needed the wolf. He needed the wolf of slavery, hmm. but if he let the, the ears of the wolf go. God knows what the wolf would do to them. The paradox,
2: right? Mm.
1: Well, uh, how many politicians are we finding today, no names, are telling you that uh, if you don't watch, right and left, by the way, yep. Yep. if you don't watch out, if you don't watch out, da 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 and you get you hyped up. One of the biggest, uh, selling, uh, one of the biggest selling jobs in the country is uh, selling Donald Trump. Right? Yep. For, for the good or the
0: bad. Yeah, and everyone is obsessed seven. with him. It's like they can't, can't stop. The even people. now, he's not even president anymore. Uh, he's, people right. are still and obsessed that. with him.
1: And he he understands perfectly how the system works. Mm-hmm. He's an entertainer. So, yeah. And if the media hadn't paid attention to him way back in 2000 and whatever it was, eh, we wouldn't be hearing about him at all, but they paid attention to him. He knows how to do that. Well, there are lots of others also, and they're, sc- they're telling people scary things. And people are you know, believing in, you know, what used to be a fringe belief and the is now mainstreamed, many things and, and scary stuff. It's an outright it lie.
0: Yes. Uh, so an outright yeah. lie. But, you know. Which one are you talking about? There's a lot of these outright lies going on uh, right now. Uh,
1: uh, 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 white replacement Yes, theory.
0: yes. Yeah.
1: It's a lie.
0: And now it's become mainstream in the Republican Party, which is frightening.
1: It's become mainstream. Yeah. And it's a lie. Right. And it terrifies uh, a main uh, uh, traditionally conservative Republicans. It terrifies people who are uh, uh, not of that background. And everybody's like freaked out. But there's some people who are retaining political power by stoking that.
0: Yes. One of the most disturbing things to me, certainly about the last two months, has been... Uh, the extent to which both the, the the far left and the far right have become utterly terrifying, and and now they're kind of agreeing. It's like, hey, you know, maybe anti semitisms okay. Maybe maybe that's right. a good idea. It's just right. like where, like, how did we end up here? It's like
1: uh, it's a bizarre thing. In a, in a supposedly a free society, we've gotten it's to horrible. The point it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And people forget where anti-Semitism led. In the middle of the last century
0: that's really scary because it's now they out forget. of it's out of living memory for people now it's and I think young the, people have they, they don't care they don't care
1: yeah, they don't care they don't realize that you know that you know six million plus and these were oh, the Jews were exterminated yeah I'm not talking about asked to leave the country I'm talking about incinerating
0: Based on this kind of And thing. not even from the, not even just in Germany, all over Europe in Eastern Europe. All over Europe. They, were, they weren't involved in Germany or the Nazis or anything no, like that. They got no, conquered. They
1: were, so yeah. They were in Romania and Eastern Europe. Just came in and wiped them out. And people get swept up in that and they're willing to do that kind of thing, uh, in situations like that, whereas otherwise they'd never do that. There are people this isn't pleasant, but there are large swaths of the population in the United States that it put in certain kinds of situations would do things.
0: Like yes. Yes.
1: They would in the name of saving, whatever. And there are,
0: and there are and there people is. who are doing that. I mean, in terms of some of these shootings and.
1: Yep. There are, yeah. those, are the, those are the, those are the individual expressions of it, but it's a pattern obviously. And it can get, it can get uniform. It can get made into a uniform way. And, um, it's a very scary, very very scary thing. I don't think it will come to pass. I think we might have, unfortunately, spasms of, of, of large group violence. Yeah, but I don't think the overwhelming majority of Americans want to see that.
0: No, no, we we, we, we got we got Netflix. We got too many streaming services yeah. and food and couches. No, you know,
1: <laughs> you know uh-uh, uh-uh. No, yeah, this is too I, much
0: no. work. No, no, no one's yes, we're, not, we're not we're not we're not physically fit enough for that. <laughs> yeah, we're not.
1: We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that.
0: Well what it uh i certainly hope not um, knock on wood so w- maybe we should uh we're coming to the end so maybe let's talk about okay. more positive um uh, solutions so how can you know since as you point out we are all of african descent how can we embrace yeah. our african unconscious
1: i think for me it is is to see how that dovetails with your own individual ethnic ethnicity and, and consciousness and uh uh and, and, and see it as a, a way to deepen your own soul. And I do mean the word soul, how to deepen it, because that is, that is where most of our ancestors are. That's where most of our ancestors are. And in our society, particularly here in the United States, we don't think very much about ancestral consciousness. You know, we seem to have left that aside a couple of hundred years ago. But it is real. I mean, it is, it is, it is real. And, uh, you know, we are not only physical beings, we're also psychic beings. And the residue of that is in our collective minds and and the psyches, and it influences us. We have no trouble recognizing that uh, uh, subtle things that happened in say our own individual childhood that we're barely aware of influence our behavior. We accept that. And we accept that certain family dynamics are with us for better or for worse, that follow us through many different phases of our lives in terms of our behaviors, our relationships, so on and so forth. So we kind of accept that. But what we have not accepted is that we have an ancestral history that also influences our consciousness and that that is real, it is biogenetic, and it is behavioral in many ways. You know, and many if you looked closely at the many, 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 many families, uh, you would see certain patterns of behavior that go back generations. And sometimes they are revered, but sometimes they're also things that we are embarrassed or ashamed of. But they're part of our history, and they 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 have a causal influence on our behavior, our decisions, and so forth. You know, uh, we have uh, we have family histories uh, in which we have heroes, but if we also, if you look close enough and ask, sometimes they're on Thanksgivings or others from old timers. We also find that we, some members of our family were villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yep. Yeah. You know, they did terrible things, you know. Um, yeah. So, but that ancestral consciousness, and I would posit that that ancestral consciousness goes back much further than we can remember. I'm not talking about my grandfather and my great grandfather. I'm talking about their own great great grandparents and how that influenced their behavior. And, um, uh, uh, we know we were talking a little while ago about the holocaust well in living memory some people who survived or perished in the, in the european holocaust their generations after them had traumatic histories yes influenced by that it is yeah. the same epigenetics it is the same with yeah. Slaves.
0: yeah it was the same as slaves yeah people need to realize that it's like trauma doesn't end in one generation Man, it, it gets passed down yeah. Yes,
1: and, it's, and, it's, and it can be a physical phenomenon also. A physical phenomenon also. And there are certain dreams, we don't have enough time to get into it, but there are certain dream motifs that reappear in family dreams and histories that are like interesting. that. Interesting, interesting. They're like light motifs, They're like repetitive uh, uh, themes and stories that reappear. So our consciousness is certainly composed of our own individual ego and generated experience which is totally cool totally valid but we also have wavelengths so to speak in us that are from other prior times that influence our consciousness and influence our behavior and um so one of the things that we can do is not only explore that but also i would recommend that everyone find an intuitive meditative discipline prayer contemplation that they like that appeals to them intuitively and just stay with it because it'll all lead the same way, same place. Every tributary leads into the same river. Okay. So just stay with it and be honest about it and surrender yourself into it and stay with it for years. It is like, um, it is like someone coming up to you decades and decades ago and saying, Hey man, did you hear about this uh, company? Uh, they called, um, uh, Microsoft, yeah, that's it. And uh, I'm telling you, man, if you put, you know, a couple of your paychecks in that, I'm telling you, it'll pay off down the road. Well, so it is
0: absolutely okay. it pays off in the listen, in the moment, also.
1: In the moment, also, yeah. But if you stay with that for decades, then you will be a different person, much deeper, further down the road. And much less fear of many things including the fear of death yeah, i agree yeah and then, you recognize the continuity of your own consciousness
0: consequently you can still fall off and stop as i've done re- i'm getting course, back to it now then it's like and then but then you realize how important it is you know like there's that classic phrase you know no meditation no peace you know <laughs> with meditation no peace k-n-o-w peace um I agree. I I kind of got more of a sense this year. Like I I really feel that the two biggest things missing in, in the European religions are connection to ancestors and connection to place. Yes. And it doesn't have either of those. And, and, and those are, those are like, you can't just like leave, those are major food groups. You can't just leave those out. I don't
1: think. No, you can't. Well, you know, part of our, uh, uh, our, our selling point, uh, in crossing the seas and coming to, for Europeans anyway, crossing the seas and coming to the United States was leave the old country. Come here and become an American. You change your name from uh, some Italian, etc., et some East European whatever, some other difficult to pronounce name. You shorten it and you Americanize it. You become American. That's your identity now. And so we had to like, Many people thought they had to like jettison huge parts of who they were in order to become American. Some of that was true, but mostly it was an issue of integration, being able to integrate your sense of self. Many, many, you know, uh, one of the great, for better or for worse, creations of the the, uh, establishment in the United States was many people came from Germany and they came from Ireland and they came from France, and they came from Poland. And when we got over here, they were initially Polish-Americans, or they were French-Americans, and they were German-Americans. Eventually over the generations, they just simply became white-Americans in comparison to black-Americans. And being having black-Americans helped Europeans move beyond their tribalism
2: mm. and
1: become white. That was the tax. That was the agreement. So, you know, and it worked. Now, it, 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 it intensified racism, but the trade-off was that uh, it consolidated all the different uh, non-African uh, and non-Indigenous tribes into one sort of block. I mean, there's still ethnic enclaves in New York, Chicago, blah, 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 blah. But you did not have difficulty moving into a another white neighborhood because you happened to be Irish. You were. And your spouse could be Irish and you were Italian, but you were an American couple. That is how America dealt with that issue. And they dealt with it relatively good. It didn't have to be that way. But that was what the model turned out to be. Do you do you feel now, that's some, not working anymore?
0: No. Uh
1: American anymore.
0: Do you feel that something similar happened with black people as well? I mean, you don't hear people saying like, well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm your I'm Yoruban or I'm from Benin actually, or I'm from." Actually,
1: actually it was the other. And in, in the in the situation with Africans and African American, you oftentimes were forbidden to even know what part of Africa you came mm-hmm. from. You were all thrown together, forbidden to use your language, and so you had to use English or some variation of patois. English. And so it was a matter of for Africans in, Afri- in America rediscovering what their African lineage was as opposed to uh, pushing it away. And then and then you had your class developments here in the United States where many upper class, quote unquote, upper class African Americans uh, denied or eschewed for long periods of time their African roots because it was not cool.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, That was not a sign of being acculturated. So all those dynamics are there, you know. But, you know, we're the the, the country that's done one of the best jobs, actually, despite of all our stuff. We're one of the countries that's done the best in terms of getting all these different ethnic groups together Hmm. under the banner of being, quote, Americans, unquote. And now we're having this battle, not so much with African Americans, but with uh, uh, Latin Americans america's coming to the states and so now one of the big push among conservative republicans supposedly is to keep our southern borders clean and clear from the horde to sweep across it used to be in the eighteen hundred the yellow horde right
0: mm-hmm. so yep. the chinese yep. coming yep. right
1: railroad <gasps> how dare the they build plan. railroads
0: and run run laundries yeah. and <laughs> try to yeah. have nice lives
1: <laughs> right and 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 now it's the same story, just
0: different characters. This is the same story. Yeah, it, this whole this country would collapse if it would collapse. If, if it's just like get your, real, you know.
1: Who's going to do, you, do your Who's going to do your gardening? Who's going to uh, pick right. your food? Who's gonna yeah. it's not.
0: Your, it's not tea. like conservative Republicans are rushing to do those jobs. No, it's not no, it's when they've <laughs> had an
1: opportunity. When they've had an opportunity to do it multiple times, they haven't done it. Well and they're not good to do it either. No. But it makes people political fodder, doesn't it?
0: Yes, it does. It, it keeps people,
1: keeps people angry. Saying, yeah, we're not gonna let blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm gonna bring an army there. We're gonna do yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when we need you to work. Then right. you gotta work on it.
0: Well, if somebody wants to rediscover or discover some of the African traditions, whether it's Kemetic or Yoruba or anything, what do you recommend?
1: Um well, I would recommend, first of all, obviously, our African unconscious, because yes. I tried to uh, weave as much of that as together as I could, biologically, medically, uh, clinically, and otherwise, historically. Um, but there are lots of other uh, uh, excellent historical sources I cite. I was at some um, pains, and I may have overdone it, in terms of trying to document as much as I could. So people could say, where is he coming from about that? And you can see, well, no, this is where this comes from, and it has a basis. But there were many uh, uh, really powerful uh, uh, historical uh, studies and documentation of all of this data that we've been talking about. It's not like something I've created in my mind. Right, no, right, I, right, right. I've, com- I've integrated it, com- a compendium, and, and tried to use what, what backgrounds that I've had in the clinical area. To highlight that in terms of uh, clinical science, medicine, and so forth, uh, and I was a bit—I was originally a his, history major in college, so I had an interest in history and archaeology, and so those, you know, but you'd find other people with a different kind of bent than me that would present much of the same evidence in a different kind of way, and um, one of the one of the examples would be um, um, book uh, a Black Athena. By a uh, the, the, uh, that, uh, psychologist, not a psychologist, a historian at uh, Cornell. Was it Cornell? Yeah, I think it was Cornell. But it was called Black Athena, the Afroasiatic roots of modern civilization, Western civilization. Classic book. He was a white guy, you know? But th- his main thing was history and the truth. And so he did. And there were many who wrote in the 18th century who said the same sort of thing. They were drowned out by other voices. But uh, Count Volding, uh, his book uh, the, Ruin of Civil- the Ruins of Civilization, he talked about the Afri- African and Egyptian roots of Western civilization and its science. So this has been known for a long period of time. It just has not been dominant. Mm. And now we're going through a slightly mm, regressive period uh, where there are a lot of f- folks who are frightened that they're losing their country, all this kind of stuff. And so they're enacting a lot of these laws that, you know, you, you can't teach certain kinds of things in school, et cetera, et cetera. You've seen the movie. You've seen the movie before. Yep. Just, yep. This is just the most recent iteration of it. Well,
0: <sighs> despite, the, the, despite that, this has been a phenomenal interview. The two hours have flown by. I've really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, they have. That's they have. How can people find out more about you and get your books?
1: Uh, the, the books are all right there on Amazon, just that, uh, Our African Unconscious. And the other one we didn't talk about, Dark Light Consciousness. We didn't talk about that directly. Well, maybe we can, we can talk, I'd love indirectly. to have you back
0: on, so maybe we can talk about that next time.
1: Okay, okay. But write uh, 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 on uh, uh, the web or Amazon books. You Just write Amazon books, Edward Bruce Bynum, all kinds of stuff will come up. You know? And there's a, I have a, a website obelisk foundation with the word obelisk and then the word foundation and that has on, in it a number of more technical clinical articles about uh, you know um uh, depression and and uh other clinical items that it may not we didn't talk about that as much today but the main thing would be to go just uh you know amazon books type in my name and, and then make up your own mind
0: huh. okay well dr bynum it's been wonderful conversation thank you very much for coming on the show
1: i've enjoyed it myself thoroughly and thank you for inviting me again of course uh, i
0: I look forward to it all right thank you very much okay okay Bye. bye All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic, meditation, and mysticism, where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class, and until next time, hang in there.